You are now listening to the Faith Community Bible Church Podcast. It's our prayer that this message is not only a blessing to you, but to your entire family. Join us as we aim to make Christ known in our community by caring for the community. God bless. Romans. We're in Romans. We are, um, if I can say, roaming through Romans, right? We're roaming through Romans and finished chapter three on last week. And today we'll, we, we will begin here um, chapter four in Romans, Romans chapter four. So let's go there. We're going to look today at the first eight verses of Romans chapter four, Romans chapter four, Romans chapter four. When you have it, won't you say, I got it. If you need more time, say, hold on a second. All right, I hear you, Romans 4. Hi, Carl. Forgot to call you back, but good to see you. (laughs) Romans 4, Romans 4, um, verses 1 through 8. Romans 4, 1 through 8, y'all. We are are walking really through... uh, through Romans. So if you, if something in between chapter one and chapter three is something that you missed, we encourage you to jump onto the podcast, check that out, or even jump on YouTube, Faith Community Bible Church St. Louis. And you can always go through and listen to those past sermons or even inside of the Church Center app. You can listen in there um, as well. Romans chapter four, beginning at verse one. Here it is. What then? Shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? (coughs) Excuse me. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him, who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Again, that's Romans 4, verses 1 through 8. May the Lord add a blessing to the readers, hearers, and the doers of his word. You may grab your seats um, this morning as we look today, y'all, at Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. I want to preach um, today from a subject, I just want to be right. Mm. I just want to be right. Many years ago, um, if I got any quartet people in the house, y'all know Keith, Keith Wonderboy Johnson dropped a song that said, I, 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 I just want to be right. When I'm singing, I just want to be right. When I'm living, I just want to be right. I I just want to be right. Then Sharia, they get excited. A be right, a be right. I just want to be right. 
right? Keith, Keith Wonderboy Johnson, right, started a phenomenon really amongst the quartet world or even the gospel music world, really trying to help followers of Jesus or quartet music listeners to wrap their minds around this biblical thought or add some practical, uh, uh, some practical thought to the doctrine or the theology of being made right with God. My question for you this morning is, what are the important matters of your heart? I remember when Keith Wonderboy Johnson was interviewed about this particular song, he said, right, that being right with God is a matter of his heart if not the most important, and he just wanted those whom he impacted by his music to understand that what really matters is being right with God. What are the most important matters of your heart? The question that I really want you to wrestle through as we walk through these eight verses, how do you, believer, follower of Jesus, align or prioritize what really matters to you? I would suggest to us today, we can tell what really matters to us by how we spend our time. We can tell what really matters to us or what's most important to us by where our affections lie or what we tend to do with our hands. My question for you is what role does God play in this? Does this fuel your plans or does it prove that your plans are off track? In fact, um. Where or in whom have you placed your faith? See, when we think about being right with God, being a matter of the heart, we tend to place more faith in our dreams than we do God. And when our, when our, when our faith is off track or geared towards the wrong person or, or the wrong thing, what happens is we place more, like, like that there's a thin line between what we want and what God wants for us. But I want to encourage us today that the only thing that really matters in this life is to be justified, to be accepted, to be approved, if will, to be made right with God. We shared with you really last week how all of us, um, for some reason, seek approval by others. We seek to be approved by others. We all seek to be um, um, approved or a part of the in crowd, but the only approval that really matters, the only approval that really makes sense in the life of the blood ball is God's approval. Understand, right, that the church, those who are called by God, those who are genuinely converted, blood-bought believers, I'm not talking about, right, church goers, because the church isn't a place that we go, but rather a body that we're called to be. Those who, th those who belong, right, to Jesus, for whatever reason, we have become, right, not all of us, just some of us, we have become so busy, instead of seeking to be approved by God, we find ourselves trying to be approved by this world. How can we, the church, change the world if we're too busy trying to be like the world? There's no difference if we try to be like the world, look like the world, talk like the world, walk like the world, behave like the world. How uh, or what would be the difference, right? How would the difference be known if we look just like it? I'm going to tell you, right? Yeah, they call you crazy. Yeah, they call you a sellout. Yeah, they say it's something different about you. And don't miss your shout. It should be. Yeah. 
There should be something different about you. There should be something different about your thinking. There should be something different about the way you walk, the way you talk, right? It's interesting that, that, that followers of Jesus are so different that people say, you know what? You act like a super saint. They use it as derogatory, but that's a compliment. Right. We are different. The only approval that matters is God's. His approval is the only one that matters because remember, chapter two in Romans, he is the only one who judges us. He's the righteous judge. His way. I I love it because God's way of approving us, y'all, his way of accepting us is not contingent upon the the opinions around you. His way, right, of approving you is not contingent upon styles or trends or what's most popular. But his approval is entirely based on his character. His approval is, is solely based on his word. See, people try to approve or accept us based on trends or 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 the conditions of what you can bring or provide for them. When those things change, guess what happens to people? They change. But thank God for always. Anybody just get excited at the fact that our God is consistent? Like, Chrissy and I have been married for 18 years, but I switch it up sometimes. It depends on my mood. Right? I'm, I'm a moody dude. Right? Uh, I, like, like today, right, I took out some chicken last night, Mark, and I'm like, yo, I, I'm going to cook the chicken. And I got up this morning, babe, I don't know that I want to cook the chicken. I'm moody. I felt like it yesterday was when I should have cooked it. Right, I change depending on the mood, but God never changes, see. He never, you, you can always count on him. You can take who God is to the bank, right? He will never change. God don't change his mind. He don't change his thoughts. His character never changes. He said, listen, people change and they accept you based off those changes, but I'm God and I'm never changing. Understand the day that because It's his approval that matters most. I want to be clear with you on something today. It is in him that we are to place our faith. Not in the things around us, but in him. Not in our own ability, right, but in him. Not in our own wit or in our own dreams, but in him, right? But what's the main point today? And I'm going to tell you what it is, and I'm going to encourage you Right. Through these eight verses. Right. I want you to leave her challenged, but encouraged. Right. Main point. Faith in Jesus makes us right with God. It's faith in Jesus that makes us right with God. Right. And what I love. Right. Even in that really. Yeah. We see the evidence here, even in these eight verses about how a practical faith in Jesus. Makes us right. With God, even right, even before we get to Romans four, right, Acts 17 does well at giving us a clear picture of this. Right. I know this is community Bible church. Right. So I want to give you scripture to help you formulate a biblical framework of why your faith in Jesus is what makes you right with God. And Acts 17. Right. Um, he says, for in him we live. And move and have our being, as even some of your own poets said, for we are also his offspring. Since then, we are God's offspring. We shouldn't think that divine nature is like gold or silver or stone in image fashion by human art and imagination. But then he says, therefore, 
Right. So so because right, he, because in him we move, live and have our being because we are his offspring. Right. And because we don't look at or think a divine nature is like gold or silver or stone. Right. Therefore, having overlooked the of everywhere to repent because he has set a day when he's going to judge the world by or in righteousness by the man he has appointed. Well, who is this man that he's appointed? If faith in Jesus, right, is what makes me right with God, who is the one that's appointed? The one that's appointed is Jesus. Therefore, we ought to place our faith in him and our faith placed in Jesus is what makes us right with God. He has provided proof of this to everyone. How did he do it? By raising Jesus from the dead. That's how. It is in him that we must place our faith. Not in the things around us, but in him. Not in our own ability, but in him. Not in our dreams or what we deem ministry is interesting that we deem things ministry, but all we serve in is ourselves. Ministry was never designed to serve you, but it was designed to serve others. We place our faith not in what we define as ministry, but we place our faith in him, not in our own wit, but in him. Faith in Jesus makes us right with God. Another passage that really helps us to see this, the only way to get to the father is <laughs> through the son. So when we, when we talk really about being made right with God, if you look closely here at Romans 4, 1 through 8, Paul, as he talks to the church at Rome, Deacon Daddy uses this legal term called justified. Right. Justified or 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 um, what he uses. Right. Or or what we tend to use. Right. We don't we don't really say justified that often. Davina, we use the word justification. Right. A doctrine or or this the theological thought or idea. Right. That we like we tend to run from theological conversation. We tend to avoid even right doctrinal thought because we don't see the practicality for whatever reason of the rich doctrines that that the Bible talks about. Right. But simply put, like, I want to help you to see to be justified. I want to help you to see justification as something that impacts your entire life. Right. I want you to see right how how having a biblical view of being justified or a biblical view of justification affects how you view marriage. It affects how you view your relationship with God. It affects how you view singleness. It affects how you view parenting. It affects how you even work in the cubicle. Sheldon, it affects how you work on the assembly line. Kids, it affects how you live at school. It affects, right, how you flesh out your summer. It affects even how you deal in relationship with those next to you. Justification or being justified isn't just something that we avoid, but it's something that affects your entire life. Simply put, y'all, to be justified is to be declared righteous, to make one right with God. Justification, hear this, it's God's declaring those who receive Christ to be righteous based on Christ's righteousness being credited or, or depending on your translation, imputed, credited to the accounts of those who receive Christ. Not because of what we've done. But because of Jesus' finished work on the cross. Well, Pastor, I just need scripture. You just said a whole lot. Okay, well, come here then. Second Corinthians 5.21. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become, here's your shout, the righteousness of God. 
right, right, right. It's because of what Jesus did on the cross that we're made right with God. Therefore, it's in him that we place our faith. We are justified, declared righteous at the moment of salvation. And it's important for us to know that justification, hear this, justification does not make us righteous. Justification does not make us righteous, but uh, but rather justification pronounces us righteous. Right. So if justification doesn't make us righteous, then there's a question on the table. Justification don't make us righteous. Then the question that we got to answer, what is it that makes us righteous? If it ain't justification, if justification only pronounces us righteous, pastor, then what is it that makes us righteous? Is it what I do? I'm going to tell you, no. <laughs> is it what I say? No. Is it what um, your neighbor does or like, like as members, as attenders at faith community, or you declare righteous by what I do? No, you are not. Right. Is it the law? God's word? No. Is it human effort that makes us right with God? No. See, we, we tend to look at these difficult doctrines and it fuels our brains. But for whatever reason, we never apply it to our heart. Like applying doctrine for whatever reason has become a lost art. As we walk through this, right, I do not want to prove a theological point to you as much as I want to fuel your heart posture to, uh, to begin to apply rich biblical truth to your heart. So if justification doesn't make us righteous, then what is it? What is it that makes us righteous? Paul answered, actually, Paul actually answered this question for us in the previous chapter. He answered this question in the previous chapter but he gives evidence. He proves it in these eight verses, right? Y'all remember Romans 3, 21, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been revealed, attested by the law and the prophets. He, 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 here he answers the question. The righteousness of God is through what? Faith in Christ to who? All who believe, since there is no distinction. Right. What he's saying here is that you're made right with God because of Jesus's finished work on the cross. And it's in Jesus where you ought to place your faith. He lets us know here that, hey, the righteousness of God being made right with God is through faith in the only one who has the power to heal. It's through faith in the one, the only one who has the power to set free, the only one who has the power to make whole, the only one who's able to cleanse you with holy bleach, the only one who's able to make right your wrong, the only one who, who's able to pull you out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay and place your feet on earth. Your faith ought to be in the only one who has the power, and that is Jesus. He lets us know here, right, that the righteousness of God is through faith in Christ. Faith in Jesus makes us right with God. In chapter three, he answers the question, but in chapter four, he pleads his case. How does he plead his case? I love it. But Kenny, he didn't look at this, right, and give us the answer right away. He coached us through it. This is what I needed. He coached us, right? We see it in verse one, right? Uh, we talked about it, right? A, a coach pulls out what's on the inside of you by asking questions, right? How, how do we know that it was already on the inside of him? Because he talked to them. It was the church at Rome, so it was already there. He just asked questions to pull it out. 
right? They had some things wrong, but he wanted to help them see, hey, yeah, you may be wrong on this. Your thoughts on this may be incorrect, but let me help you see if I know it's there. So let me ask you questions to pull it out. He says, what then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? He asked the question, right? And when you read those eight verses, you see he pleads his case. Really, for those who want to be right with God, Paul really shows us in these eight verses how. Paul proved his case. He refers to both Abraham and David in these verses. He refers to David, right, to borrow the quote, really, from Psalms 32, where he says, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed, he said, is the man, right? That's the last two verses, right? And in, in this in this passage, this this um, can I use a big word pericope, right? Uh, what that means, y'all don't even worry about it. It's just a passage, right? Uh, he uses this. He says, "Blesses the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit." To help us to really understand the point of justification, the main character here used as an illustration here is Abraham. That's imp it's important, y'all, for y'all to know, right, um, as you process this and think through this whole idea of um, being made righteous or being made right with God or being justified or justification, it's important, right, to know that a the illustration of Abraham because he's arguing really against the traditional Jewish view of salvation by works. A lot like the Jews, y'all, people today really believe that they can be saved by their works. People think that salvation comes to us based off of what we do or what we don't do. But Abraham is a perfect model for salvation by faith because of how the Jews viewed Abraham. Why does he select Abraham? Why is Abraham good? Because Abraham, he transcends or rather he, he outdoes, if you will, the dispensations, the appointments, right? Because Abraham is a sort of permanent illustration of the righteousness of God that comes by faith, right? Why do we say that? Because first of all, he was an Old Testament character. You do know all the New Testament does is point to the old, right? That it's very important, y'all. Not only was he an Old Testament character, right, but he was saved before the law was given. So he transcends, if you will, the age of grace and the age of law. He is therefore a kind of universal illustration, right? He is the supreme example in the Old Testament of faith. And, and so he is the ideal example to use for salvation by faith as being a consistent norm. In fact, the only way of salvation, like it's important, y'all, really, as we process this, it's, it's important to note, y'all, that the Jews, right? Why did he use Abraham? Because the Jews looked to Abraham as their model of righteousness. They look to him as a model. So Paul picks him not only because he transcends the ages, not only because he's a supreme example of faith in the Old Testament record, but because he was the favorite illustration the Jews used to prove salvation by works. He's saying, look, y'all get this wrong, right? I know y'all love y'all some Abe. But y'all are getting this wrong, right? You're not saved by, Abraham wasn't saved, right, because of what he did, right? Uh, Abraham believed God, and because he believed God, right, righteousness was credited or imputed to his account. Salvation, I need you to hear this, right? And don't miss your shout, right? I know what everybody else is saying, but salvation is not by our works. We cannot save ourselves. There is nothing that we can do to be saved. Salvation is a work 
work of the Lord. Scripture says it this way. We are saved by grace through faith in Christ. It is in him that we must place our faith, not in the things around us, but in him, not in our own ability, but in him, not in our own wit or dreams, but in him. Right. Faith in Jesus makes us right with God. Does. Faith in Jesus makes us right with God. What does our faith do that makes us right with God? If you're saying that because Abraham believed God and righteousness was credited right to his account, what does what does our faith do right that makes this so great? What does our faith, what is our belief in God, right? What, what Abraham believed God and faith was credited or, 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 or righteousness was credited or imputed to his account? What does his faith do? What is so powerful about faith, right? I'm glad y'all are there and you thinking about this. I'm glad that's your question, right? Let's look at these eight verses and I'm going to prove it, right? I'm going to I'm going to help you see what your faith does or what even Abraham's faith did or what your faith can do, right, to make you right or to, to make you justified or to, to, to help you see that righteousness is credited to your account, right, because you believe God, right? If, if, if because, right, we're justified by faith because of our belief in God that, like, there's some fine print there, right? What happens if you don't believe God? We shout on the fact that I believe God and I get this, right? But what happens when you don't, right? Stick with me. I'm going to answer the question for you in just a minute, right? Let's look at these verses, right? Number one, faith produces humility. Faith produces humility, right? What then? Will we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, is found? If Abraham was justified, made right by works, he has something to boast about but not before God. Faith produces humility. Why? Because, right, if, if Abraham was justified by works, then he wouldn't boast about God. He'll boast about him. And it's really the same about us, right? If we saved ourselves, y'all already know, look what I did. Right. If we were able to save ourselves, we wouldn't even be able to rest in salvation because we'll be too busy going live on social media. How, how do I know it? Because we can't even do a good thing for somebody without telling people on social media what we did today. We're not saved by our own works, right? Uh, uh, faith in Christ produces humility. Like Abraham, y'all, we have no reason to boast. There's nothing that we have done or can do to be right with God in our own marriage. The works placed on him, um, the work is placed on Jesus. Therefore, our faith must be placed on him as well. Our faith must be in Jesus. And that produces humility in the life of the blood ball. The most important thing that happens at the moment of our salvation, y'all, the Bible says is that God imputed or credited his righteousness upon us. Not only righteousness, it ain't just righteousness, Davina, but it's his righteousness. It's his righteousness, right? It's his righteousness, right? This, this imputing, y'all, of righteousness really is something that God does himself. It is the single thing where he, he absolutely does not require, like, hear this, right? Like, prayerfully, this right here lifts the weight off you. 
Hopefully, right, those of you who who suffering in life and you trying to do you trying to do right in the sight of God. Right. And you wearing this weight of the world on your shoulders or the weight of you on your shoulders. Right. Hear this. When you think about righteousness being imputed or or credited to your account. Right. Um, uh, um, the, the imputation of righteousness being or, or the crediting of righteousness to our account. It is the single thing where he absolutely does not require us to do anything in order to receive it. Like, like, hopefully that frees you. There is nothing that you've done or that nothing you can do to receive it. Right. Um, in fact, y'all, if we do anything to try to receive righteousness, it nullifies God's righteousness in your life. The righteousness that we receive by faith is a gift from God. It is something that cannot come from man nor from anything that we do. Even the faith to believe comes from God. It is a gift. You cannot say you had the faith to believe in Jesus. No, it was God who gave you the faith. It is an incredible revelation, y'all, that we ought to always be thankful for, right? This humbles us. It, it ought to produce humility in us because it helps us to realize where real power lies, right? Faith in Jesus ought to produce humility in you because the power is not in you. When you look back over your life and you realize that what you've been through and what you've overcome or what you are going through and what you will overcome, you realize that it's only by God's hand that you're able to live. It's only by God's hand that you're able to move. It's only by God's hand that you're able to have your being. It is the word of God that really does well at fueling right this posture of humility it's the word of god that reminds us of this right can i just can i just give y'all right i know we all got something to do we hungry and it's a saturday or a sunday morning right but can i just give you some biblical evidence i want to give you some biblical evidence right as to why faith produces humility right let's have a conversation with the prophet micah Micah says in Micah 6, mankind, he has told each of you what is good and what is the Lord, what it is the Lord requires of you. What is it? To act justly, to love faithfulness, and here's your shout, walk in humility with God. Right? That's, that, that's Micah, right? But then, right, uh, y'all know if one person said we don't believe it, we got to see six people posted on social media before we believe it's real. So, 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 let's, so let's press pause on Micah and call on our boy Peter. Peter says, 1 Peter 5, here it is, humble yourselves. Let me just mash pause there and say stop waiting on other people to humble you. He says, humble yourselves, therefore, under. How, how, you don't humble yourselves, right, under nobody else's hand. He says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you at the proper time. Here it is, right? Here it is. Like, like, like humble. It, let me tell you this. If you humble yourself now, it will cause you to be raised up later. Let me tell you, I know, right, we live in this world, right, um, it's my money and I want it now, right? We, 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 we seek a hierarchy now. We want to be at the top of the mountain now. But if you be at the top, top of the mountain now, there's nowhere for you to go later. Humble yourself, therefore, how under the mighty hand of God. So at the right time, he'll lift you at the right time. He will bring you up at the right time. Look at somebody say right time. Right time. He'll raise you at the right time. We got to be our faith ought to produce humility. Humble ourselves now will cause us to be raised up later. But but I love it. Right. Because Paul, he was a creature of habit. 
The same thing that Paul was pointing out right here in Romans. Paul pointed out the exact same thing to the messed up church. Y'all know first Corinth, the Corinthian church, right? The church that was so messed up, he had to write two letters to him. First Corinthians 1, 28. Here's what he says. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world what is viewed as nothing to bring to nothing what is viewed as something so that no one may boast in his presence. It is from him uh, that you are in Christ who became wisdom from God for us, our righteousness, our sanctification and redemption in order that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Our faith produces humility. This understanding of righteousness that comes by faith was what made God to call Abraham his friend. Let me tell you, God is a friend of those who walk in the revelation of his word. They for they learn to humble themselves. Right. Faith in Jesus makes us right with God. Our faith, number one, produces humility. But here's an, here's the second one. Sister Cameron, not only. Does our faith produce humility? But number two, number two, our faith fuels our works. Our faith fuels our works. Watch what he says in the text. Verse three, for what does the scripture say, right? For what does the scripture say? Abraham <laughs> believed God. He believed God and it was credit to him for righteousness. Now to the one who works, pay is not credited as a gift, but as something owed. But to the one who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited for righteousness. Likewise, David also speaks of the blessing of the person to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Your faith should fuel your work. Now hear this, while works don't save us, faith in Jesus should fuel our works. What we do for God should be fueled by what we know about God. Or, or let's say it a different way, or knowing God is what should fuel our doing. Let me word it a different way, right? What you do for God should be energized by you just being with God. Right. The more you be with God, you learn what to do for God. We see, see, for whatever reason, we thought for whatever reason that doing with God is being with God. No, being with God fuels what we do. Right. For some reason, y'all, we've gotten this wrong. We do. Uh, uh, we, we do for God, hoping to know more about God. But that cannot continue to be a strategy for you if you want to experience spiritual maturation. If you want to experience spiritual maturity, right, you've got to get the equation right. You have to, right? We do for God, hoping to know more about God, but we cannot, that, that cannot continue to be our strategy. Why? Mainly because it's an unbiblical approach to attaining fabricated righteousness, right? Um, my wife was telling me uh, a couple weeks ago how she was watching some video and now they're getting ready to make carbon copies of meat. Right. I'm like, I want to stop eating meat, but I like steaks too much. So I don't know what to do with that. Right. Um, am I eating paper? Like, I, I don't know. Right. 
The reality is the righteousness that we think we have has really turned into that because we think we think we earned it by something we've done. This unbiblical approach to attain it, fabricated righteousness, we can't continue to have this factory generated salvation expecting for everything to be custom. Right. Thinking that if if I add a little of this and a little of that, I'll be straight. If I add a little bit of this and a little bit of that, I'll be all right. God knows my heart. You're right. He does know your heart. That's why he says in Ezekiel 36, you need a new one. He does. Right. But there's nothing that we can do at all. Right. While works don't save us, faith in Jesus does fuel our work. What we do for God is fueled by what we know about God. Giving you a paycheck for the work you've done isn't a gift. It's what's owed to you. But since you didn't do anything to, to earn or you aren't on or you aren't old salvation because you believe in the finished work of Christ, you made right with God simply because of what Jesus did. And that should humble us, but also give us the desire to want to serve Jesus. Do you know that serving Jesus means making a sacrifice? You can't say, God, I want to serve you, but I'm too busy. He's saying, yeah, I know you busy with stuff I ain't put on your plate. Right. It should humble us, but but also give us a desire to want to sacrificially serve Jesus. What can you like if Jesus Christ is the center of attraction in your life? What can you give up? I know you thought your job was paying your bills. No, Jesus was paying it through your job. Right. Faith, your faith, your belief in God ought to fuel your work. Let's create a biblical framework even for faith and works. If faith fuels our work, y'all already know, right, what James said, right? James chapter 2, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? Well, my faith in God, it's almost like I want a job, but I'm going to sit at home and sit on my hands. No, fill out an application, Right? What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? Can such faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food and one of you says to them, go in peace, stay warm and be well fed, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith, if it does not have works, not only is it dead, but it's dead by itself. (laughs) But, 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 but someone will say, you have faith, I have works. He says, show me your faith without works and I will show you faith by my works. I'll show you what I believe based off of what I do because my faith is in God. I'm going to be with God and because I'm being with God, I know I got work to do. Show me your faith by your works. You believe that God is one. Good. Even the demons believe and they shudder. What's the difference between, right, the demons who believe in shudder versus the believers who believe in work? We actually believe in work. We don't believe in talk. Listen, faith is an action word, right? And if you said there's no way that we can believe God and not want to do for God, there's no way we can believe God. Hold on, let me, let me rephrase this. There's no way that we can believe in the God of the scriptures and do something that don't line up with the scriptures. Faith is an action word that push up, pushes us, that fuels our works. 
right? Even the demons believe and they shudder. Senseless person. Or you willing to learn that faith without works is useless? Wasn't Abraham, our father, justified uh, by works in offering Isaac, his son, on the altar? You see that faith was active together with his works and by works, faith was made complete. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone in the same way. I love this part in James 2. Wasn't wasn't Rahab the prostitute also justified by works in receiving the messengers and sending them out by a different route? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Abraham wasn't saved, right? He didn't, righteousness wasn't credited to his account simply because he was sacrificing his son Isaac. It was because as he was going to sacrifice his son Isaac, he believed God. 1 Thessalonians 1.3, we recall in the presence, right, um, of our God and Father, your work produced by faith. Uh-oh. There it goes. Biblical evidence that our faith should fuel our works. Work produced by faith, your labor motivated by love and your endurance inspired by hope in the Lord. Right. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power in the Holy Spirit. And with full assurance, you know how we lived among you for your benefit. Here's what John 14. He says, truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me. Love will also, if you believe in me, you'll do the works that I do, and he will do even greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. He said, just because I'm going away to prepare a place for you, I'm leaving you, right, a helper, a paracletos, right? I'm leaving power with you to remind you about what I said, but he said the work is not done. That's still something that needs to be done. What is finished? It is finished. The fact, right, that your sin can take you out, it's done because I'm paying for it with my life. And because I'm going to the right hand of the Father, there's work that you need to do. In fact, the work that you're going to do is going to be greater than the work I ever did, right? Simply because while I'm gone preparing a place for you, I'm making room for the people who you're going to work with. Your faith should produce what your, your work should be fueled by your faith. Well, works don't save us. Faith in Jesus does fuel our work. What we do for God is fueled by what we know about God. Faith in Jesus makes us right with God. Hear this. I got to go. But here it is. Right. I'm going to tell y'all something. Right. Y'all going to laugh at this. Right. Sister Vanita said yesterday. She said, Pastor, I love it here. I just need you to preach longer. So I got permission. Huh? Y'all talk to her. Right. Here it is. Salvation is not by works. Not by anything that we're able to do. We cannot save ourselves. There's nothing that we can do to be saved. Salvation is a work of the Lord, y'all. We're saved. Hear this. Scripture says it this way. We are saved by grace through faith in Christ, right? Hear this. We are saved by grace through faith in Christ. It is him that we must place our faith in him, not in the things around us, but in him, not in our own ability, but in him, not in our widow dreams, but in him. 
Faith in Jesus makes us right with God. Faith in Jesus makes us right with God. Faith in Jesus makes us right with God. What does our faith do that makes us right with God, right? What then will we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, has found? If Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness. Now to the one who works, pay is not credited as a gift, but as something owed. But to the one who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited. For righteousness. Likewise, David also speaks of the blessing of the person to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless acts are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the person the Lord will never charge with sin. What am I saying? What, what, what am I getting at here? The simple fact that our faith in Jesus makes us right with God. How do we know it? Because faith produces humility. Faith fuels works. But finally, here it is, Sister Tracy. Your faith placed in the one who owns it all reveals blessings. It reveals blessings. He says it in the last two verses. Blessed are those whose lawless acts are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the person that the Lord will never charge with sin. Hear this. Faith in Jesus reveals the reality that I'm blessed by association. Not, not at all because of my association with people, but because I belong to God. And it is in him where I place my faith. Faith in Jesus reveals that the reality that we're blessed by God simply because that everything that we've ever done wrong has been forgiven. We don't have to be weighed down by the weight of our past. Why? We can't change it. Your, listen, your sins are forgiven. You are blessed. I don't have to be right, um, rest or be weighed down by the brokenness around me. Why? I can't fix it, right? I'm blessed by God. My sins are forgiven. What's unknown about tomorrow, I don't have to be weighed down by it. I cannot get ahead of it. I'm blessed, right? Because God, through the, through the death, burial, and resurrection of his son, gave his life for all of us, right? By placing our faith in the finished work of Christ, every lawless act, every ungodly deed, Every thought that you've had, every mistake that you've made, every person you cussed out, right? Every woman that you slept with, every man that you've given yourself to, every person you've killed with your words, right? Every person you've gossiped about, right? Everything that you done took in every lawless, ungodly act, you are blessed because of Jesus' finished work on the cross. You have been forgiven. You've been forgiven, right? Come here, uh, First Peter. Come here, First Peter 4. Y'all, I love the word. Can I tell you the word, right? The, the, the word of God confirms itself, right? Uh, he says, First Peter 4, 8, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded for prayer. Above all, maintain um, constant love for one another since, here it is, here it is, love covers multitude of sin, right? 
Like that's why, right, uh, your faith, right, reveals blessing because the more and more you grow and place your faith in Jesus, you realize that his love is far greater than your sin. His love is far greater than your mistakes. His love is far greater than every diagnosis. His love is far greater, right, than, than every setback. His love is far more greater, right? We are blessed, and, and through faith in Jesus, he's revealing his blessings to us. Well, Pastor, I know that I can be forgiven, right? Scripture says that I'm blessed because my lawless acts, but, I, but, but, but Pastor, if I'm honest, I just feel weighed down by my sin. I feel way down, Pastor. I know you're trying to tell me, Pastor, and convince me that all is well, but I just feel way down. What do I do with this? Come here, Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Here's what he says to Cassandra. Watch this. He said, come, let's reason together. Or in other words, <laughs> come, come here, let's settle this. Let's settle this once and for all, says the Lord. Though your sins are scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they are crimson red, they will be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. They think God is a blessing. Right. The reality is if we place our faith in Jesus, yeah, our sins are scarlet. But because of Jesus' finished work on the cross, our sins can be washed as white as snow. Though they will be crimson red, they will be like wool. But if we are willing and obedient, hear this, by the power of the Holy Spirit, because we can't do it on our own. If we, by the power of the Holy Spirit, place our faith in Jesus, right we know and understand that we can be made right. But if we choose to rebel, if we continue to choose, right, to, to refuse and rebel and be disobedient, the scripture says that we will be de devoured by the sword. Like not, not, just, not just a slit, but chopped to pieces by the word, right? Faith in God is a blessing. That's the gift that he has given us so that even when we worry or fret or forget, He's there to pick us up when we're down. You know, the joy about placing your faith in Jesus is that faith, genuine faith in Jesus is a gift they keep on giving. Even when people let you down, when people don't do what you want them to do, right? When you find yourself in a position where your preferences outweigh principle, you can place your faith in Jesus. I, I've learned, I've learned that if you want to make people mad, right, reveal their idols. You reveal their idols, right? Reveal their blind spots. Well, well, I heard what you're saying, Pastor. I heard what you're saying, right? But I don't see it. Well, that's why it's a blind spot. Right? So we learn, right? Don't place our faith, right, in people because people, change. people don't always see what they need to see. But if I place my faith in God, he'll help me to see what I need to see. It is in him that we place our faith, not in the things around us, but in him, not in our own ability, but in him, not in our wit and our dreams, but in him. Faith in Jesus makes us right with God. Our righteousness, our justification, our salvation comes from placing our faith in the finished work of Christ. His sacrifice covers our sin, allowing God to see us perfect and unblemished. Y'all missed that. Because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross and by us responding to the finished work. 
He don't see us like people see us because like y'all ever ran to somebody in the past you used to run with? I remember when you used to. But because of Jesus' finished work on the cross, he doesn't remember when you used to because you're forgiven. He sees you as perfect. He sees you as unblemished because as believers, y'all, we're in Christ. God sees Christ's own righteousness when he looks at you. That meets God's demands for perfection. Thus, he declares us righteous. He justifies us. What, Pastor? I ain't perfect. And if I'm honest, Pastor, I be tripping out here. And you mean to tell me he still sees me as perfect? You mean to tell me that everything that I've ever done wrong, he still sees me as unblemished? You mean to tell me everything that I've said, as a matter of fact, you mean to tell me what I did last night even? He still sees me as unblemished. He sees me as perfect because of what Jesus did for me on the cross. He did. Come here. First John 2 and I'm done. I promise. Here's what he says. My little children. I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Can I give y'all the Michael Standard version? Because I know you will. Because I know you will sin. But if anyone does sin, hear this. We have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He himself is the atoning sacrifice or, or depending on your translation, he's the propitiation, not just for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. I love y'all. I know I'm going to jump ahead of us. We ain't there yet, but Romans 5. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, I love the word because we've been justified by faith. Hear this. We have peace with God. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him. How? By faith into this grace in which we stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our afflictions. Because we know that affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character. And proven character produces hope. Paul says this hope will not disappoint us. Because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the spirit who was given to us. Pastor Darren, I know you've been waiting on your shout. It's right here. For while we were still helpless. For while we were still sinners, while we were still jacked up doing our own thing, while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly for rarely, rarely, right? Can I, can I say, I want to I give you, right, the St. Louis word for rarely. Hardly ever. <laughs> rarely, hardly ever would someone die for a just person. Though for good, perhaps, someone might even dare to die, but God proves his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much more then since we have now been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from wrath? For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, then how much more having been reconciled will we be saved by his life? And not only that, but we also boast in God through Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation. Let me be honest. Let me be honest. I just want to be right. And because I just want to be right, I've learned really 
A biblical framework from the scriptures that faith in Jesus is what makes me right with God. Let me ask you this. Where do you place your faith? Do you place your faith in your best friend? Who gonna let you down? Do you place your faith? If you place your faith in faith community, you wrong. Because we've been wrong before. We gonna be wrong again. But if we place our faith in Jesus, we can experience righteousness like no other. If you place your faith in Jesus, then you'll understand, right, that you'll, you'll look at God a totally different way. If you place your faith in Jesus, then you'll understand, right, that, that nothing will separate you from his love, right? I just want to be right, right? Faith is powerful when it's placed in Jesus because your faith placed in Jesus produces humility. When you place your faith in Jesus, you realize that you, you, you understand that it ain't about you because you don't want it about you because you ain't got no power. I don't care how much you lift, right? I don't care how much you work. God, I don't care how many miles you run on a hot summer day, right? But faith in Jesus is more, more, far more powerful than your strengths, right? Place your faith in Jesus, not only because it produces humility, but faith in Jesus helps you to understand that you're blessed beyond measure. What is the blessing? Yeah, the blessing is Christ. But the, bless, the blessing of faith, Mike, <laughs> The blessing of faith is actually faith. Because you can because it ain't on you. Right? It's not on you. There's nothing you can do. And because you place your faith in Jesus, you ought to want to give yourself to him fully. It's your fuel, your works. Process it. Ask yourself. I'm done. I promise I'm done. But ask yourself. What am I placing my faith in? Abraham believed God. And righteousness was credited to his account because he believed God. Who do you believe in? Who do you like? Who do you believe? Like, like process this really honestly process it. And if you hear you realizing that your faith not where it should be and you find yourself at whatever point ready to throw in the towel because you just like this faith thing is hard for me and I'm continuing to wrestle through it. I'm not talking about faith as in like the doctrines. I'm talking about trusting God fully. If you're wrestling with trusting God and believing God like Abraham, come on, let's pray together. Come now. Don't wait for your neighbor to move. You move now. Come on. Right. Uh, if you if you're wrestling through this, let's pray together. Maybe you realize that you didn't have no faith in God at all. And you say, I want to place my heart in his hands and you want to experience the saving power of Jesus. Won't you come now? We just like, let me tell you, the only second promise to us is the one that just passed. But with the one that's in front of us, not only can we come to Jesus, but maybe you already got a relationship with Jesus and you just like, you know what? I got a relationship, but I continue to try to do things on my own. Be honest with yourself and don't be worried about what people are going to say around you. Let's pray together. Come right now. Don't wait. This is your opportunity to come for prayer or, or to place your faith in the hands of Jesus. Come now. Come now. Father, let's stand to our feet. Father, we honor you. We adore you. We magnify you. It's in you, Lord. Thank you for listening to the Faith Community Bible Church Podcast. 
We hope you are encouraged by the message on today. To respond to today's message, please go to fcbcstl.com forward slash respond. If you would like to give to support the mission and vision of Faith Community Bible Church, you can go to fcbcstl.com forward slash give. God bless.